just as uh, as folks uh, get their tea and coffee and uh, take a seat, I think just uh, looking at the clock, we should probably probably make a start to try and keep the time. So do uh, do continue getting your tea and coffee and sandwiches. Uh, that's that's wonderful and. Um, and find a seat, and then we'll be able to make a start. So, uh, you'll remember from last week that uh, we had been uh, looking at the letter of Second Peter, just following on from our studies on First Peter, and uh, we had David McKay with us last week from the Shaftesbury Square Reformed Presbyterian Church. Um, this, this week we have um, another speaker, someone who you may recognise if you've been with us over the last number of years, because uh, he has spoken with us before. Tim Anderson is his name, and uh, he's, from, he's the rector in St Elizabeth's uh, Church in Dundonald. So we're really pleased, Tim, to have you come back and join with us. Uh, Tim won't, won't have been with us before in the Clayton Hotel, uh, so if you've if you've only experienced the Clayton Hotel, you probably won't have met Tim in Gospel in the City. Um, so uh, just just to say, really, that uh, we've spent a week on Second Peter. Uh, Tim's going to continue that for us today, and if you remember from last week, we're we were learning about how being called we um, have these transformed lives we're being transformed into the likeness into the image of Christ um, and the characteristics that were referred to in the first few verses uh, last week um, are characteristics that we should be making every effort with the help of the Holy Spirit to to to, um, to embody and we learned how really these are characteristics which Jesus himself has Okay, so uh, I'm going to read the passage and then pray and then we can hand over to Tim. Okay, so it's 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 to 21 and you should have a copy of that on your tables. God's word. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honour and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, 
to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's where the reading ends. So before Tim comes up, let me just lead us in a prayer. Father God, we do thank you for this um, opportunity again this Wednesday to meet together um, and to be encouraged by one another's presence and to be encouraged as well uh, as we sit under your word. um, And uh, we pray that your word would um, teach us and that you would equip us through your Holy Spirit and your teaching um, to go out into the world from here on. And we pray for Tim as he speaks to us and opens up your word, that you would indeed speak through him and lead him um, in what you want us to to know today from your, your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tim, come up and uh, I'll pass this mic to you. And I'll just go and get your glass of water as well. Right. Um, do I pray at the end or do you want to pray? Oh. Feel, feel, as you feel there, as you feel there, and happy to. So Hello, everyone. Uh, really good to, to be here today. And uh, I think last time I was here was certainly not, as uh, Jeffrey was saying, uh, here in this hotel. Uh, it was probably in Cafe Nero. Would that be right? Is that where uh, you were before? So it's really, really good to, uh, to be back and especially just to look into uh, to Peter. So as Jeffrey was saying, I'm from uh, sort of out in the, the nether regions down in uh, towards Dundonald. So uh, that's where I've been with my wife, Lynn, for uh, about 18 years. And we do uh, have a number in the congregation who obviously come in and uh, they're working here in the centre of of the city. So it's really good to see this ministry and uh, this work happening. In June of uh, last year, I was talking to a communications officer of really a a very large uh, global-based organisation. And he spoke to me about yellow journalism. Has anyone heard about yellow journalism? No. Okay. So exactly the same with me. I never heard what uh, yellow journalism uh, is all about. So I asked him, whatever is this kind of journalism? And he said, basically, it's a type of journalism that is propaganda. So it puts out deliberate disinformation and spreads that around via the traditional uh, news outlets and, of course, also through online social media uh, as well. And I suppose we would know it as fake news. So we would know it as pseudo news. And as Peter the Apostle writes his letter to Christians in the first century AD, roughly the middle of uh, the first century AD, probably the, the 60s, he does so against this kind of backdrop. He does so against the backdrop of this sort of yellow journalism, fake news, if you like, about the Lord Jesus Christ, And in particular, in the middle of verse 16, so if you have a look uh, just in the passage that you have there in front of you, in particular, the middle of verse 16 about the power 
and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the fake news was this, that Jesus will not come again. That was the heart, really, of what this fake news is, that Jesus will not return from heaven. And the basis for this fake news was that you just cannot trust, if you like, you cannot trust the Bible. So you cannot trust the teaching of the Old Testament prophets. You cannot trust the teaching of uh, the New Testament uh, apostles. So what they wrote, absolutely fine in terms of their opinions and their ideas about who God is and what he has done, but it's just their opinion. Uh, so that is fake news. It's their opinion. It's not actually uh, God's words. So in our passage, Peter responds to that. Very importantly, I think, he makes a, a defense, and his argument is simply this. This fake news really is fake. Because the Lord Jesus Christ will come. The prophets have made that very clear. Also the apostles as well, if you like, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And they said this because they are inspired by God. That is to say, their words that they spoke and eventually were written are God's words. So therefore we can trust and believe that this promise that Christ will come will happen. It is not fake news. God has said so, so it will happen. In um, verse 12, Peter says, I intend always to remind you. And then the end of verse 15, he says, so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall those things and these things. So Peter is just about to die. He's someone who is so wholehearted for the Lord. He just loves the Lord Jesus Christ and making the Lord Jesus Christ known. And so he is prepared to die for that. He's very soon uh, to be martyred. So what he wants to make sure is that there will be a permanent record, if you like, a permanent witness of his apostolic teaching. It really is the beauty of the Bible, isn't it? It is the, the beauty of Scripture. So the apostles, we know, I mean, they're dead and buried. So they are dead and gone. And yet, in a sense, they're not. In a sense, they still live on. Now, how do they do that? They do that through this. So they, they do that through the written word of God. Which is why I think probably Peter said that we can always be reminded of the Gospels because we have uh, the Scriptures. But perhaps you might need uh, convincing. Or maybe it is that you're here today and you are actually totally uh, convinced that this is God's Word that we have in the Old and the New Testament. Maybe in your workplace it's slightly different. Uh, could be that uh, you're having uh, conversations uh, with people and they're asking that question, you know, can we really trust the Bible? As I say, maybe there's someone here today and you are asking that question. You know, can I really trust the whole of the Bible from the beginning of Genesis right through to uh, the end of Revelation? So how can you know that the words of Scripture are the very words of God? How can you know that? So we're going to, to zoom in into the New Testament, because that's what uh, Peter does. And then we're going to zoom in as well uh, with what he said about the Old Testament. So first of all, verses 6 to, to 18. And to begin with, Peter says, look, we were eyewitnesses. We were eyewitnesses. So it's there in verse 16. 
For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So when did Peter and the others witness, if you like, that power and that glory and that splendor and that majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it happened, verse 18, just slightly further in the passage, it happened at and on the holy mountain. And that is what we know as the the Mount of Transfiguration, that event that happened there that's recorded for us in the Gospels. uh, It's known as the Transfiguration. So Jesus just radically changed in a sense. Um, his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And, if you're familiar with that, you'll know that Elijah was there and Moses uh, was there. They were with Jesus. Now, they were two really, really impressive uh, figures from the Old Testament, but they were not as glorious and as unique as the Lord uh, Jesus Christ was. And Peter says that he saw this that he, with James and John, they were eyewitnesses. And that is the glory and the power that actually all people will see at the end of the age. So it was just those three witnesses, if you like, that saw it on the Mount of Transfiguration. And yet there's a sense in which that was looking ahead to a moment that is still to come when the whole of creation and all of the cosmos, in fact, is going to see the power and the glory and the majesty of the Lord Jesus and who he really is uh, when he comes again. But the question is this, isn't it? How can Peter be so confident? How can he be so sure? And the answer is in verse 17 and 18. And it's to do with what they heard. So you just heard me uh, talking about Peter and James and John and Peter in particular being an eyewitness. But now he says also ear witnesses. So just picking it up, verse 17. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. If you are a, uh, a parent... And your child wins. I mean, I know that uh, we're just in that season when there's lots of um, uh, school sports days coming up. And if your parents and your child wins uh, a prize, you're going to say probably about uh, your child, you know, I am well pleased. I am really well pleased. But why did God the Father say that about Jesus? Why did he say that about Jesus, not about, for example, Moses and Elijah? And the answer is because of who Jesus is, that Jesus is my son, my beloved son. And he actually went on to say, listen to him. We just need to stop a little bit and think about uh, exactly what's going on here, because this connects back into the Old Testament. There's uh, a reference here, way back into the Psalms, and in particular to Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 is is all about uh, a guy called the Lord's Anointed, So God's anointed king, and it's quite clear that when you read that psalm in Psalm 2, you know, he is the one who is going to judge the nations. So in that psalm, the nations rebel against this anointed king. The son, that anointed king, breaks down those nations with a rod of iron. 
he defeats God's enemies and receives God's honor and glory uh, from God his Father. And the apostles on that holy mountain are actually being told by God, look, this is who this Jesus is. So they're making the connection of Psalm 2, way back in the Old Testament, into this person Jesus on that uh, Mount of Transfiguration. And they're being told, look, this is who this person is. This is uh, who Jesus is. And this is why Jesus and what Jesus will do when he will come again in terms of defeating his enemies. Now, just remember the question that we're trying to answer. So the question that we're trying to answer is this. How do we know that what the apostles wrote is true? How can we trust those words? And this passage is simply telling us they were eyewitnesses, but also they were ear witnesses uh, as well. What they preached was actually God's word. What people heard was the voice of God as the apostles preached. Now, I, I simply put this to you. Doesn't that give you confidence as maybe you do your own uh, Bible reading day in and, and day out? Uh, maybe if it is that you are someone who's just exploring what all this uh, Christian stuff is about, I hope that that will give you some kind of confidence that you can begin to, to really take what's in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, seriously. It does give us confidence. The promise of Christ's coming is true because actually that is a promise of God who we can trust. But what about the, uh, the Old Testament? Can we say the same about the Old Testament? So is the Old Testament also the written word of God? And it won't surprise you to hear that Peter says absolutely. He says yes in verses 19 to 21. Now, if you just look into those verses, you'll see a word just coming up and being thrown out at us uh, to do with prophecy. So there's a prophetic word. Uh, there's a prophecy of Scripture, uh, verse 19 and verse 20, and the prophecy in verse 21. They're, they're basically all descriptions of the Old Testament. And I think it's great, really, because what Peter does here is that he answers three questions for us, which may be answers, which may be questions that you yourselves uh, are looking uh, to see answered. So, first of all, how is the Old Testament produced? Uh, we've been doing a Christianity Explore course. We're right in the middle of it at the moment uh, in Dundonald. Uh, it's hugely encouraging. Uh, but three weeks ago, this was the question that was, was asked. You know, the, the Old Testament, how was it produced? How did it kind of get to us? And Peter's answer is really very simple. End of verse 21 Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. False teachers, all these guys getting this fake news out, they were saying something very, very different. They were saying that the Old Testament was produced because of a prophet's own interpretation. End of verse 20. And it was produced by the will of man. In verse 21. So for those false teachers, the origin of the words in the Old Testament is not actually from God. It was from man. And that is why they didn't believe what it is that the prophets uh, had been preaching and written and had been saying. The same is still true today. So a conversation that you might be having with people could go something like this. The Old Testament, okay. Of course it's about God. We're not denying that 
in this light. It's a, of course, it's about God and what people think that he has done, but it is not God's word. There's some great stories in the Old Testament. You know, there's the Exodus and there's Joseph and there's David and Goliath and so many other great stories, and they're great to have, and we can use them in our Sunday schools and be inspired by them, but it's not God's words. It's kind of people's opinions about who they think God is and uh, what he has done. But Peter comes straight back at that, and he says, absolutely not, because the prophets spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what the prophets wrote, what they preached, was not their own interpretation. It was actually God's own interpretation of himself and of all that he had done. Now, how do we know that? Because we're just told that the prophets were carried along by the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, they were inspired. It's quite hard to get our heads around this. You know, we don't know mechanically and all the ins and outs of how uh, this happened, but we trust and believe it did happen. That God, by his Spirit, he carried these men along so that the words that they wrote were the very words of God. Peter then uh, answers a second question, and he, uh, the question is this, what is its function? So why actually do we have the Old Testament? Occasionally you do get people um, saying that, you know, wouldn't we be okay with the New Testament? Because after all, you know, the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, and Jesus has now come, and, you know, we, we've got everything we need to know about Jesus in the New Testament. So why do we have the Old Testament? And if you look at the, the middle of verse 19, we see how Peter describes it. It's a beautiful, it's a lovely picture, this. It is a lamp, like a lamp, shining in a dark place. And it will do that. Actually, the Old Testament is now doing that. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Do you know that the Bible, the whole of the Bible, so Old Testament and New Testament will never, never outlive its use. We're going to hear people saying to us, all of this fake news and all of that, that, you know, that the, the Bible, the Old Testament, has just had its day. The Old Testament, the Bible, will never, ever outlive its use. It should never be consigned to the top shelf. I've gone into some houses, and do you have a Bible? Yes, I have a Bible. Where is it? It's up there. It's on the top shelf. Absolutely not. It shouldn't be there. And isn't that glorious description of the coming of uh, the Lord Jesus just great? It will be like the dawning of a new day. I don't know if you get up really early sometimes. If you, um, if you want to see the sunrise uh, just at this time of year, you have to be up about 4.30. You have to be up really quite early. In the middle of winter, it's not quite so bad. But uh, if the weather's really nice uh, and you see the, the sunrise. It's just a real sight, isn't it? So the darkness is just being pushed away. You know, the darkness has been there for hours. And then the sun rises, and it just pushes away the darkness. And that is a, a great picture of what is going to happen when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. If you like, the darkness of sin just pushed away by the glory and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is greater than sin and Satan. And just the coming in of his light, his truth, his righteousness in that new heavens and uh, the new earth. 
So Peter says that Jesus Christ is like that morning star that signals the beginning of the new day. It is quite interesting, isn't it, that this morning star is not actually rising in the sky, because did you notice where it is rising? It's rising in our hearts, the heart of every believer. And again, I think that's just so useful for us to know, because as we look into the whole of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, clearly it's a historical document. Uh, but for the person who is a, a believer and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, just the whole of Scripture from Old Testament and New Testament, it speaks right into our hearts and reaffirms us and confirms uh, to us just the promise that God has made concerning the whole of history, but supremely concerning the coming of his uh, Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, at the end of the age. So it's a great description, isn't it? A lamp shining in the dark place and that morning star rising in our hearts. I just wonder if that is your experience. You know, could you say that of the Lord Jesus Christ? He is a bit like that morning star, just bringing light from his word into my life. I wonder if that is your testimony uh, today. So just as we conclude then, so three questions. Uh, how did the Old Testament come about? Men spoke from God. Uh, why do we have the Old Testament? It brings to us the promise of Christ's coming. And um, very briefly, third, what must we do? And this is really obvious, isn't it? But it is here uh, in the passage. Uh, so if it is that the Old Testament is the word of God and it brings to us this promise, what must we do? Middle of verse 19, you will do well to pay attention uh, to it. Um, we're getting reminders all the time, aren't we? I'm sure probably on your phone you have these things, notifications, and I uh, don't know what you do with them, but um, Lynn and I, we kind of try and turn them off as quickly as possible. But uh, you are, aren't you? You're just being reminded all the time of everything that's uh, going on. You know, at home, uh, I just sort of try to think of some of the things that we've been reminded about recently. The car tax, um, uh, there was insurance, uh, MOT, it seems to be all car related actually, not sure why that is. But when you get back to your office, probably you're going to get the same as well. I don't know how you are reminded of the things that you need to do, but whether it's that email, that conversation, uh, whatever it is, it's just going to be lots of, lots of reminders coming uh, our way. And this is exactly what scripture does. Uh, it's much more imp important than the reminders that come through uh, our email or uh, whatever it is. This is what Scripture does. It reminds us of that crucial event that is going to happen at the end of the age, which is the coming of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can so easily be taken in by this, this fake news, which is why we have to pay attention and keep on paying attention. It does you well uh, to pay attention uh, to the whole of Scripture uh, because of what it is, God's uh, very written word. So I simply leave that uh, with you. There's a question, I think, on the sheet. Um, what can we do to pay more attention to uh, God's Word? So I'm not sure what your practice is, whether you discuss that around uh, your tables, and I'm certainly more than happy to, uh, if anyone wants to discuss with me what uh, I think that means, then, um, then please do come up and, and chat with me afterwards. But let me pray. Then I'll hand back to, uh, to Jeffrey. <coughs> we have something more sure 
the prophetic word. Uh, thank you so much, dearest God, that you are the one uh, who makes promises and keeps your promises. Uh, we thank you in particular that you promised for the coming of uh, the Christ and uh, that anointed king and that you kept that promise, that the Lord Jesus came. We thank you that we continue to hold on to your promises in scripture of that coming that is still uh, to happen. We know it will. Uh, we trust your word. We believe your word to be true by your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for him uh, as well. And so we pray uh, that we would, in the words of Peter, that we would pay close attention uh, to what it is that you speak to us in the whole of Scripture, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, Genesis, right through to the end of Revelation, every word. Pray that you will help us by your Spirit to pay close attention. And so we ask it, and all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.